Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damon here with my co-hosts, Matt and David. Today, we are going to go over the Diamondbacks and Blue Jays big trade. Uh, we have Nathan Uvalde finally got his free agent deal. Uh, Carlos Correa still hasn't, which is pretty funny. And a couple other big news items to hit. Before, but before we get to that, David, how are you doing this week? Doing good. Just came back from vacation. It's uh, a little bit tiring, but, you know, back to work. Back to real life and uh, back to analyzing baseball free agency. Uh, should be a good episode, fun time, and I hope everybody had a happy new year. And um, yeah, how you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. I've just uh, had a been out of town as well, was down at the beach for for the new year and had a good time with some friends and uh, just it's uh, pretty much it. Just uh, hanging out. Uh, happy new year to everybody. Uh, I guess it's the first episode since Christmas, so. Hope everyone had a good Christmas as well, and um, we'll uh, ready to talk about a little bit of baseball. Uh, free agency slowed down some, but there's still moves coming in, and uh, we're getting close to the end of it. But uh, but yeah, we're getting. I think I, I saw yesterday, or or maybe it was today, that we we're halfway through the off season, at, at least until the until the big league uh, until the big league um, the for opening day starts. Mm-hmm. We're already past halfway to spring training, but. And yeah, how you doing, Damien? I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, spent the spent the holidays pretty much just at home, uh, hanging out with some family and just spend some time there. Watched the uh, the Tulsa shootout this past weekend, which was really fun. Um, but you know, 2023 has started, not the new year. That will start in like the middle of February for me, when pitchers and catchers report. That's how mm. I I do years is when baseball starts and when it ends is is that. But um, you know, it was good. Good holiday weekend. I'm glad to be back here and glad to be talking back with you guys. And uh, let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, you know, our first, usually we are a baseball podcast, but the uh, the sports world was turned on its head yesterday um, with that Bills and Bengals game. And I just wanted to kind of hit on that a little bit, um, you know, with the, with the incident that happened with DeMar Hamlin on the field, um, suffering a cardiac event or cardiac arrest. Um, all our thoughts and prayers are with him. And I don't know if you guys have any thing you guys want to touch on on that but it was very scary to see and uh wishing him all the best and praying that he is uh he's gonna make a full recovery yeah i can go first i was i was watching the game last night uh i wasn't really watching it too closely but i was i was kind of on my computer kind of watching at the same time and look you know i I wasn't paying too close attention and i you know was kind of kind of heard what they were talking about on there and looked up and i i was glued to my tv from that moment i i felt it was really scary and um uh, you know really sucked to see you don't you don't expect to see something like that um that cardiac arrest and i mean uh, thoughts and prayers are with him and you know for for the three of us being racing fans it's a familiar feeling mm-hmm. that we get from it and uh, a lot of people who are nfl fans haven't had this feeling before and you know it, i've watched enough you know racing where it was like man you know you just never know. You, you gotta kind of your gut just kind of your chest just kind of sink. Your heart just kind of sinks into your gut and just you mm-hmm. just hope that everything ends up okay. And um, you know, I think uh, some of, some of the reports today have been at least encouraging um, that you know maybe he could end up being okay. I know that um, you know his family is he still he's at least you know that they won't know anything for sure big time, but there's been reports come out. They interviewed his uncle on TV about an hour ago and said that, you know, there were some 
improvements on like his breathing and stuff uh with or at least the, they were reducing the oxygen that he was getting so um down to like 50 percent or something which was apparently a, a good sign so hopefully hopefully speedy recovery for him and uh hopefully he pulls through and uh thoughts and prayers you know to him and his family and all the all the nfl players it, it's been a a lot of uh, a lot of nfl players are um really behind him so it's been been good to see that the support but I sports never uh, supersedes uh, human life. And when you've got something going on like that, it, it becomes so about so much more than just uh, the game we like to watch, you know, and football is akin to baseball, but there's no reason a a pitcher couldn't take a comebacker off the chest uh, at any point. So, you know, this is something that rings true uh, for sports fans of any of any type. And, um, I was really, really happy to see the reaction of the Bengals players along with the bills players. Everybody was very much, um, working together and, uh, you know, trying to comfort each other. And, um, I feel really bad for like T Higgins who kind of was the one who hit DeMar Hamlin in the chest. Uh, you know, I watched T at college and he's, he's a good guy by all indications. And I, I hope he feels all right. And, um, you know, isn't too messed up from that. Cause that's like a horrible thing to, you know, make a normal football play and have somebody, you know, get up and collapse. So, yeah. And then obviously, you know, nobody had ever heard of DeMar Hamlin before this last week, man. And, and I, you know, looking up stuff about him, this seems like a really good guy and, uh, this just stinks. I, and you don't want to see it. You don't want to see it with anybody, but especially not like a guy like this. And, um, you know, I like you said, Matt. I hope he pulls through and he's a yeah. able to recover here. Yeah, and I, I want to make one more comment on this, and uh, I think it's something that as baseball fans, it's important for us to kind of get out there too. Uh, apparently, the what, what's been and it, and it doesn't really matter if this is exactly what happened to him or not, but apparently the the it's like, it's something called commotio corditis or something uh, that mm-hmm. that happened to him, and it's actually pretty common with. Um, baseball but you know it's a it's a way you get hit in a certain part of your chest cavity when you're when your heartbeat is at a certain point in its rhythm that it can cause this it's extremely rare but it, it has happened before and and the, one of the sports that it does happen more than football which I, I, I can't recall it ever happening in like a, a football game but is a uh, baseball you know getting hit by a pitch in the chest and it happens mm-hmm. a lot in like little league games and stuff and i mean I, when i say a lot i mean just compared to like the NFL or something. And uh, it's important for people to know what that is. And mm-hmm. if anything good can come out of this, it would be for, you know, like a lot of youth baseball people and stuff to, to understand what this is and to know how to do CPR and to, to have, you know, people who, to be able to recognize it quick and because quick response apparently is the biggest way to, you know, help someone pull through this because it can be fatal. So, mm-hmm. uh, just the kind of a uh, hope, hope some awareness goes out to you know people in in the baseball world about this, uh, you know, about this this thing happening as well. Yeah, I think it's just shook the entire sports landscape. Um, you know, football is the the biggest consumer product that the United States offers via you know sports programming, and Monday Night Football is one of the most watched you know, games every single week and and to have that many eyes on a, on a thing like that, Matt, you bring up a good point. It, it it brings a lot of attention to it and hopefully it brings attention to the fact that people need to learn how to, uh, you know, 
administrate correct CPR procedures and have defibrillators on hand because, you know, you can do the CPR, but he will still need to be, you know, shocked back into rhythm with the with the defibrillator and stuff. So hope that DeMar Hamilton or Hamlin pulls through, um, you know, all the signs look to be in the right direction, but it's still such a scary scenario and it's still a touchy road. So, you know, throughout our next couple episodes, as we get more information, we will throw it on. I know it is a baseball podcast, but it's a it's a big deal in the sports world. And I think everyone deserves to to hear about that story. But uh, we will now transition over to the baseball talk um, and we'll go ahead and, and start with the I kind of divided it up into divisions this week, just a little different. Um, but probably the biggest move we've had happen since our recording or our last episode was that the Arizona Diamondbacks traded Dalton Varsho to the Toronto Blue Jays for outfielder Lourdes Gurriel and I believe the number three prospect in baseball. You guys can fact check me there. Um, but Gabriel Moreno, uh, a catcher for the Blue Jays, uh, they had depth at the catcher position. Uh, they wanted to upgrade their outfield. They got that with Dalton Varsho, uh, but it was a, a very big trade on that, that end. So David, why don't you go ahead and, and start with this one? Yeah, so uh, Varsho was a top 50 prospect a couple of years ago. Um, really solid you know, prospect, but he was a catcher pretty much first and foremost at that point. And all the questions were where his glove and whether or not he'd be able to stick behind the plate. Um, had a lot of power potential, uh, but the big question was going to be the swing and miss. And in, in his first you know trip to the big leagues in 2020, he encountered that swing and miss problem. Um, but what he has done in the last couple of years is rebuild his game to be a center fielder um, that can dabble as a catcher. And I truly don't know if we have a for, like a, some a formula wins above replacement, whatever to to value someone who can play both of those positions at an adequate level. Um, but but then on top of that, Varsho is a good defensive center fielder, so his value is kind of difficult to calculate. And I think this shows just how valuable that type of player is because you can put your backup catcher in center field every day, every other game. Um, which, you know, and the, the Blue Jays have a ton of catchers anyway, so Varsha will probably spend most of his time out in the outfield catching. But, you know, Danny Jansen and, and Alejandro Kirk will be able to, you know, you'll probably move Kirk to DH and, and let Jansen be the primary catcher with Varsho kind of moonlighting in. Um, it, it provides a lot of flexibility for the Blue Jays roster. It gives them a big left-handed power bat uh, in the outfield and in center field especially. Um, and it gives them, makes them more athletic. You know, Lourdes Gurriel is a really good player, but he's the kind of guy who hits singles and doubles and then, you know, isn't really a stolen base threat. Varsha stole 16 bases last year. Um, and with the, the rules changes coming up for uh, more stolen bases probably uh, next year with the pitch clock and the limited pickoffs, uh, I think the more, you know, the, the more athletic you can be, the better. So I think Varsha is maybe a better fit for their roster. And then they're dealing from a position of strength with Gabriel Moreno, who's a really good player in his own right. And, and obviously a top 10 or five prospect at this point. Um, but Moreno, you know, I don't know that he's going to be the same level of hitter as, um, as Alejandro Kirk. And I don't know that he's going to be the same level of defender as Danny Jansen. So you know, the Blue Jays kind of making this trade out of that position of strength to grab a left-handed power bat to fit a lineup that could, you know, go in and win 90-plus games next year. Um, it's, a, it's a really smart move. If Moreno ends up being a, a really elite catcher, then, you know, this may not work out for him. But, you know, the Diamondbacks grab their catcher of the future. 
they deal from a position of strength on their team with tons of left-handed outfielders with Alec Thomas, Corbin Carroll, uh, Jake McCarthy, Dominic Fletcher. They have so many left-handed guys out there. So Varsho was a little bit superfluous. If any, if a couple of those guys pan out, you know, the Diamondbacks are going to be sitting pretty. Yeah. Um, if, I think that this trade, um, it, it's very risky for, for the Blue Jays because I believe that Gabriel Marino is one of those super high upside type guys as a catcher that could end up being like a top five catcher in baseball um, potentially. But he's also unproven. He's been a prospect. There's a lot of question marks about his power. Um, he He's a very athletic catcher. He's good defensively, and he's got a fantastic hit tool. So, you know, he's one of those things where he's probably going to hit at least above average and, and defend really well, which for a catcher is, is, is remarkable to, to find that in, in a guy. And then, uh, you know, and then of course, Lourdes Gurriel is, I, I think he's more of a DH type guy. Um, not a very good defensive outfielder. Um, uh, not, not completely terrible out there, but, uh, you know, he's a slightly above league average hitter probably. Um, and he's, he's probably a below average, uh, at the, at, you know, in the field. So not a great base runner. He's okay, I guess, but, um, you know, just, he's a little bit like Yuli Gurriel in some ways, but, uh, doesn't walk a lot, but doesn't strike out too much. Uh, but he, um, you know, he, he, he'll be, a. The, both of these pieces are going to help the, the, the Diamondbacks a lot. Um, I guess that means they're giving up on Kelly as, as catcher, or at least they probably will be soon. Um, and then, uh, Dalton Varsho is, um, he's going to help the blue Jays. I mean, he's a good player. Uh, you know, he, he had a 4.6 wins above replacement this past year. Great defensively. Uh, like, like David said, center field and catcher, um, you know, with his, his, um, he was an above average hitter last year, hit pretty good power wise. Uh, his plate discipline isn't fantastic. He actually, he actually runs a pretty low Babbitt. I think he just hits the ball in the air a lot, but, um, you know, maybe he has a couple seasons where that improves and he can put up a, you know, a 115, 120 WRC plus very young player still. So uh, definitely an interesting trade and one that I think both sides really benefited from. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Gabriel Moreno, though, because there's a world where he ends up being like way, way, way undervalued in this trade. And then there's a world where he ends up being nothing. So, um It'll be very interesting to see how this trade turns out. I think both sides did, did a pretty good job with it. Yeah, I think it's a really good trade for both sides. Um, you know, I, I'm a big Dalton Varsho fan. Um, I, I love that he's out of the division and will stop tormenting the Dodgers every single time we play him. But I think he has another level of some, you know, he, he showed the power this year. Um, if he can get to walking just a little bit more, um you know, the, the amount of defense defensive value that he brings to a team. Um, and, and really, if you look at like his batting averages, they won't show, I think about as good of a hitter as he really is, which I know it's been a typical thing. Like batting average doesn't show how good he can be. Right. Um, but I really love Dalton Varsho as a player, um, you know, and coming back for the, for the diamondbacks, it's, you know, you like you, you traded from the, the area of strength from the outfield slash, I guess some catching depth there, but you got, you know, a top catching prospect in baseball who is really good defensively, who can be one of the, you know, if he reaches his potential, like Matt said, he can be one of the top catchers in baseball and you have him under control for a long time where you aren't sure what you're getting out of Carson Kelly. He showed his flashes. He was 
really good in what was it two years ago? Yeah, uh, that he was really good in this this year. Uh, bad. You know, it, bad. It was really bad this year. And honestly, part of that was he had a horrendous, horrendous start, and he actually was pretty decent in the second half. But there, there's some gap there, and, and he's only club controlled for I think two more seasons, or three, maybe it's three more. I think it's two more seasons. So. You know, you if Kelly isn't it, you just got your catcher of the future, Gabriel Moreno, for the next how many ever years. And I think Guriel might help fit this team better right now anyways. Yep. Um, you know, he doesn't have to play the field. Like Matt mentioned, he's more of a DH at this point. He also had a really weird 2022. Like, his power numbers dropped significantly. Like, he was a 20-homer guy in 2019. In 2020, 11 homers, which is in the shortened season, if you, you know, prorate that for the rest of the season you're talking about close to a 30 homer guy and then 21 homers in 2021 2022 had five and if you look at his baseball savant page his barrel rate went down in 2022 but his hard hit rate and his exit velocity went up so it's really really weird i think that that power is still in there and maybe just a little going to a different team will help him unlock you know that little extra bit um and he is, I think he's controlled for two more years. Yeah. yeah. So no, he's a free no, agent. No, no, no. He's a free agent after next he's year. He's a free agent yeah. after this year. One so year. It's, it's a you know one-year deal for the Diamondbacks where if it doesn't work, oh, well, you're off of it. And you basically traded for our show for Gabriel Moreno mm-hmm. at that point, which is a top prospect who's young and you're con- club controlled for a lot longer. One, one quick thing about Lourdes Gurriel that his power surge did correspond with the juice ball. It did. Um, yes. So that could have been part of the reason, but you did see this year. I mean, he hit 291, 343, 400. I mean, he was not at all a, a, a not strong hitter. He was really good. Anchored a Blue Jays lineup that was really strong all he, season. So, Yeah. And one, one thing to add to what Damian was saying about his home run totals in his career, 2018 through 2021, his lowest home run per fly ball percentage in his career was 15.3%. So 15% of his fly balls were home runs. And in 2022, it was 4%. So it just kind of goes to show you how low, how much that dropped. And I know it dropped around the league, but that's also a kind of an unsustainable drop, especially with the fact that his hard hit rate didn't really change that much. No, his uh, launch angle. It, yeah, so, I mean, right, it, right. It, I mean, nothing it, really changed that much, except I guess he was just got a, a little bit of a little bit of bad luck. But it's probably yeah. part of it. So it was literally just the barrel rate. I mean, his yeah. barrel rate dropped from sixty first percentile to twelfth percentile. Yeah, yeah. But, it, his, yep. but his hard hit rate went up about fifteen percentile, and his average exit velocity went up yep. about twenty one. Yep, like he was hit the ball as hard. Just yep. wasn't barreling. He might have been hitting hit a lot of high pop ups or high fly balls or yeah. something. Like I, I don't know. It's it's weird because his launch angle was also about the same, mm-hmm. and his you know it's not like he was hitting like way fewer fly balls. And that that's what did his barrel rate in or something. Yeah. It's just weird. But I think it's very correctable change for him Probably, to at least yeah. get back to a fifteen yep. to twenty homerish guy easily yep. for sure. But uh, let's go ahead and stay in the American League East, and we'll jump over to the Boston Red Sox, which uh, we actually didn't put the the newest thing on here, but that's that the avoided arbitration with Rafael Devers today uh, was one of the the news, which there's been a lot of talks about the big extension, could still happen, could make him easier to trade. It's interesting, at least, that I think it was like 17 and a half they agreed to today. Um, 
So that's still going to be a story that we're tracking through the trade deadline. Um, but the move we actually did have was that they ended up signing Corey Kluber to a one-year $10 million deal, uh, has an option for 2024 with uh, for $11 million, uh, with bonuses for games started that go up from 20, 25, and 30 games started. Yeah, I can start start here with uh, Kluber. Uh, I've, I've been really disappointed in the Red Sox offseason, but I do think this was a pretty good signing. Uh, Kluber was pretty good in 2022 uh, for, for Tampa. Um, you know, had a 434 ERA is not great, but he had a 357 FIP and a 392 XFIP. Uh, he refused to walk anybody, uh, which was a good sign because when he was with New York in 2021, when, when he only pitched 80 innings, he walked almost four guys per nine innings, which is way, way, way above what he typically has in his career. But his walks were back down in 2022. He also was healthy for the most part as he started 31 games and threw 164 innings, which has been the problem really since 2018, which was his last great season with Cleveland. Like he has not stayed healthy at all since then. Uh, pitched only 35 innings 2019, one inning in 2020, and then in 2021 with, with the Yankees, he pitched 80 innings. And so his, he finally was able to stay relatively healthy, uh, 31 starts. Um, you know, this is a guy, his, his fastball up velocity is now below 90 miles per hour. So this isn't a guy who's anymore going to just blow you away. And, and even though he's never really been that type of guy, you know, his, his peak was like – you know, a 93 to 94 mile per hour fastball velocity, but uh, he's he's definitely a more of a soft tosser, crafty type pitcher now. You know, but for a f- number four, probably in a rotation for the Red Sox who really need pitching depth, uh, $10 million has kind of been the going rate for those. In fact, it might be a little cheaper than some guys who have similar resumes to to Kluber and he also you also get a club option on him so if he does well this year then you can bring him back for uh for next year which is really nice to really nice to have so uh you know I think this is a pretty good signing for them I I like it here's a an interesting thought and and I don't have much on the signing it's a it's a good signing I would much rather have Cordy Kluber for one year and an option than Matt Boyd who went for the same price yep so, you know, this Clevenger is a, for two million yeah, more. Clevin, Clevenger yeah. for two more. Yeah, this is a good deal uh, for the Red Sox, who seemingly have gone bargain bin shopping, except for the the one guy they signed from overseas that they overpaid for. Um, you know, this offseason has been weird for them. They let Xander Bogarts walk. They, you know, I, I like the Devers move. I think it gives them cost certainty if they do want to trade him. I don't, I doubt a trade happens before the season starts, but if the Red Sox are out of it by July, I think Devers moves will keep. We'll keep tabs on that as we go. Here's my question, though. Is Corey Kluber a Hall of Famer if he has two more good years, let's say, with the Red Sox and then somebody else next year or even no. if this deal goes through? I think yes. No. It's close. I think it's close. He's going to be on the ballot for a while, and he'll have some arguments for the he'll, two Cy Youngs, obviously. but He'll make it past his first year on the ballot, but, I mean, his career counting stats aren't even close. I mean, 39 war. He's got a 330 well, I'm saying two ERA. More, two more good yeah. years. Let's say he does what he did last year two more times, gets to like 45 war. Then you're, then you're talking he's, he's right on the border. That, that's why I wonder. Two Cy Youngs, play, a lot of playoff success, started a game seven in the World Series yeah, that he lost. I, I, don't, I, don't think he, I don't think he makes it, but. I think I think the five years of dominance that he had from yeah. you know, twenty fourteen through twenty eighteen, and we're we're saying the the uh, you know he'll be close on the war, but that's considering that he threw thirty five innings in twenty nineteen, one inning in twenty twenty, and then you, only eighty innings in twenty twenty one. Eventually, we'll 
eventually we'll have to start considering 2020 in the the war totals as well that did well, cut was, out of it. He but... wouldn't have pitched anyways because he was injured. Yeah, he got injured in that first inning. He, he only pitched one inning. It it was yeah, he had a and it was a pretty it was an injury that would have taken him out for the full like 160. You know. Yeah, it was the lat stream yeah. or whatever. Was. It would have taken him out but a lot. I, I just think that the it's a very good question, and I, David, you you brought it up that way, but I think the one way there's the counting stats, there's the war, and then one way that I like to look at things are can you was a player dominant in a certain time where he was the best at his position for a certain mm. time, and I can say that Corey Kluber was probably the best starting pitcher one of those years or a few of those years in that five year run, like you wouldn't have wanted to face him throughout that little bit of time. And he brought the, you know, Indians at the time guardians now to, he he was leading some of that playoff success they had there. Like, I, I think he, that five year run of dominance outweighs the, a little extra, you know, the couple years where he missed due to the injury problems and it's going to hurt his counting stats. In 2016, in the playoffs, he had a 1.83 ERA in 34 starts, won four games, lost one. Yeah, I mean, if for all the time talk we have about like guys like David Ortiz and um, you know some of those guys who who got a little extra juice off their playoff success, Corey Kluber's 2016 run, the the Indians do not get to the World Series without him, um, and and, he, and they do not get to Game Seven without him. He was the most dominant pitcher, and they ran him out there on three days rest and in Game Seven, and he still only allowed I think three runs. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I just but to comment one more. I mean, I think that most people believe that the guy who is a Hall of Famer based off of being great in the postseason as a pitcher is probably Jack Morris, right? I mean, well, because he <laughs> Jack Morris be, shouldn't be a Hall of Famer anyway. Right, right, but he, he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. But that the reason that they put him in was because he was great in the postseason. And Kenny had counting stats. And right? he had counting stats. He had, put <laughs> yeah. six, he had 56 war. I right. Mean, but, like but it, that's the thing about Jack Morris was he pitched forever. Guy was right, like 40 but, when he retired. I mean, longevity is part of the, mm-hmm. the Hall of, did, F- Hall of did, Fame. I so mean, is dominance, though. You did, know? Yeah, did Jack Sandy, Morris ever Sandy have Koufax? a six-year run Sandy, or five-year run? Sandy Koufax put up like 65 war in his run, though. Like, no, he but was he was, a, you know, he's the, he only he's pitched the, for 10 years. Well, that's what I'm just saying. He's the exception. I mean, he put up 55 war in 10 years. I mean – like he's the exception to he's the exception to the rule. I mean, it's but, a, it, it's an interesting. Con- I, I think yeah. Roy Halladay was kind of in the same ballpark. I think he got to fifty, but sixty-five. No, never mind. Just kidding. Yeah. Roy was really good, but yeah, get wrecked. He reminds he reminds me of 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 Roy Halladay. Kluber does. I just don't think he did it for as long as Roy Halladay. Right. So, but being able to do it for a long time is part of the equation. I mean, it's just. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, I I, lo- I love Corey Kluber. He was one of my favorite pitchers when he was at his peak. But it's just one of those things like you, you know, you need to do what he did for ten years instead of five years. I mean, I'm not he, trying to be a hater here's or a something. Good comp. But Here, here's a good comp that we could throw out there, and I, it, it's really really close. Um, with a couple years of dominance that way, and a, around the same war is what David was kind of hoping there, Cliffley. Yep. Cliffley got to forty eight point two war. He had some couple dominance. Dominant years in there that were on the level of Kluber. Is Cliff Lee a Hall of Famer? No. Are we are we about to have the Cliff Lee ballot or did we already? I think we already did, and I think he got he already fell off. off. Yeah. yeah. So then no. So but Cliff Lee also didn't win two Cy Youngs. 
That is true. Um, should, and he, he also pitched have. and he also pitched in a rotation that he kind of got hidden in, right? He was pitching yeah. in a rotation with Halliday Oswalt, Hamels in the two thousand eight run. Cliff so. Lee though, like when you compare a five year run, like the Cy Young thing, it just matters what everyone else did. Like Cliff Lee put up seven point three war and seven point one war in a two year span. I mean, that's very similar to like mm-hmm. Corey Kluber's peak years. No. It just happens that the voters didn't give it to Cliff Lee. Like, yeah. Yeah. oh, hundred percent. I think that, but the, you've also got Johan Santana from that time frame as well, who didn't make it into the yeah. Hall of Fame. Who should have? It's and, and if you have a Hohan Johan Santana, and maybe you look more closely at Cliff yeah. Lee, and if you look more closely at Cliff Lee, maybe you look more closely yeah. at Corey Kluber. So, yeah. old Hall of Fame talk that yeah. we will probably hit on in a couple weeks, anyways. Yes, but it, it was a very good question. It, it yeah, did, did give a good back and forth there. Yeah. Um. But let's go ahead and jump over to a smaller move in the American League East. Um, and it was that James McCann got traded to the Baltimore Orioles uh, along with cash for a player to be named later. And I know, Matt, you had some of the details on that. Yeah, uh, I believe the Orioles are only going to pay $5 million over the two years. So the Mets are paying the rest of that, um, which uh, makes sense because – uh, I remember in 2021 we did this podcast, and I told you how much I thought that that was a terrible contract that the Mets signed with James McCann, and well, it turns out it was. It was horrible, and he's not very good. That um, you did. So, you know, he put, he, you know, he put, uh, he put up very pedestrian numbers with New York. He's still a decent defensive catcher. Very pedestrian numbers offensively. Put up 59 WRC plus in 2022. Um, And, you know, obviously the Mets don't care about money. So that bad contract doesn't hurt them that much. And they paid most of it for him to go to the Orioles where he'll back up Adley Rutschman. And and that's that's the role that James McCann should be in. He's a good backup catcher. Like he can come in. He's not going to be a disaster behind the plate defensively. And every now and then you might get a – you know, a hot stretch where his BABIP is higher and he puts up, you know, slightly below league average offensive numbers. Uh, but he's just not a great everyday option. And I think that the, uh, I think the Orioles are going to be, are, are glad to get him for, get a backup catcher that's got a lot of experience for very cheap. And the Mets are glad to, you know, have that spot open for, I guess they signed o- Omar Narva- Narvaez and, and potentially Francisco Alvarez as well. So uh, I guess this kind of makes sense on both sides. Yeah, it's uh, a backup deal for a catcher, like you mentioned, gets the money off the Mets books for a move that might or might not happen, which we'll hit on in a little bit. But uh, let's go ahead and move over to the American League West now. Um, The smallest of the moves was Oakland signing uh, Drew Rosinski. Yeah, Rosinski. Wachinski to a one-year, three million dollar deal uh, has a club option for five million for twenty twenty-four. So Drew Wachinski, I looked it up, has pitched in the KBO the last four years. He has made thirty starts, thirty starts, thirty starts, and thirty-one starts, and he's had a three-zero-five ERA twice, a three-seventeen ERA, and a two-two-ninety-seven ERA. Uh, this after him having a five-thirty-three uh, ERA in the majors from twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen. Uh, you know, this is a perfect A's move. They'll flip him at the deadline if he's any good. Uh, his last, you know, th- several years have been good, but now he's 34. Um, does this stuff translate in the majors? We'll find out. But, you know, the A's can't 
yeah, you know, I got to run somebody out there to pitch. So might as well be Drew Rachinsky. And it's not for a lot of monies, which they like to do. Yep. Um, let's go ahead and stay in that division though, uh, with the Los Angeles angels signing Brandon Drury to a two year, $17 million deal. Yeah. Brandon Drury had a really, really good 2022. He almost didn't even have a spot to play last year. I think he contemplated retiring just because he was, you know, probably going to end up in the minor leagues, but, uh, the reds gave him a shot and he ended up, uh, ended up doing really well. He, he hit. 263 with a 320 on base, 492 slugging, hit 28 home runs. That's a 123 WRC plus. Uh, put up three wins above replacement. Uh, it was was fantastic. I believe he was an All Star. Correct. He was. He yep. was an All Star for the for the Reds. Mm-hmm. Uh, got traded at the deadline to, to San Diego, where I, I don't think he was quite as good with San Diego. Uh, he definitely wasn't, but he still was okay, uh, above average at the plate. Um, this is a guy who can play a few different positions, can play corner outfield, third base. Um, he's good insurance in, in Los Angeles uh, with the Angels for if Anthony Rendon goes down against. He's dealt, dealt with those health issues. He can play second base as well. Um, you know, a good utility guy to have around, a pretty good hitter, add some depth in that lineup. Uh, I, I like the signing for them. They didn't break the bank for a guy who maybe has, you know, I, I don't think he'll put up a 123 WRC plus again, but uh, chances are he probably puts up a 110 WRC plus and puts up, you know, two war maybe. And if he does that, then you've got a pretty good, pretty good contract signing him to, I believe he's only get paid what, uh, like eight and a half million a year. So on AAV. So, I mean, that's a pretty solid contract for, for the angels. And I kind of like the move. I think he'll help them. Yeah, Drury's a, a really a nice success story. Um, did not have any success after came being kind of a top prospect with the Blue Jays, I believe, um, way back in the day. He bounced around. He's been a bit of a journeyman. Oh, it was the Diamondbacks, sorry. Uh, he really fell off after a good, I think it was his second season with the Diamondbacks. But then you know, with the Blue Jays, he kind of wasn't good. And then he went to the Mets and, again, didn't really have it and found his footing with – uh, the Reds this season and was they were traded to the Padres and assisted in their playoff run and in their playoff success. I really, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that players having a good season results in something like a two year, $17 million deal. I think guys, teams were not going to be willing to give off a deal like this for a player that has been not as good as he was this past season uh, for his entire career. Um, but it seems like, you know, with, with teams, spending a little bit more this off season. Uh, this deal is something that could have been, could have been done. Um, and I think that Drury's a really perfect example of play. A lot of positions don't play any of them well uh, and still have defensive value that way because he can play third, second, first he's moonlighted at short. He's moonlighted in the outfield. Um, that kind of versatility on your bench is just awesome. And so, you know, Mike Trout's going to have a little bit of help. Uh, Otani's going to have a little bit of help this year. Uh, and that Angels offense, I saw a, a tweet about it um, after the signing, was that the entire projected lineup will have an above average uh, WRC plus by current projections, presuming Rendon starts. But that's still a, a big step up from the past couple of seasons. So I think the Angels have made some good moves this offseason with Hunter Renfro and uh, Brandon Drury. Sounds like David's getting roped into the old Damien tactic of the Angels. Well, I am not picking the Angels for anything. <laughs> no, um, let's be very you clear. Know, 
Well, you know, you you mentioned that he could play a utility role there. Uh, it kind of fits like a Chris Taylor, what he does with the Dodgers. And I know it's because I'm a Dodger fan that I can I, I give that comparison, but he's a guy who plays second, plays third, plays, you know, some outfield there. Obviously can't play, Drury can't play center field and probably not as good of a defender as Taylor, but gives you options at least. Um, you know, and they they kind of broaden their as their aspect there this year with trading for Gio Urshela, who could play second, short, third. Um, you know, you have Fletcher who could play second, short, third. You've got Drury now who could play second, third. If you need to in a pinch, can play third. He could play first as well. Probably some left field. Like it's just giving them a bunch of options here where they're able to move a lot of people around and and give them depth for injuries that they really haven't had the past couple of years. I mean, Jack Mayfield in one season had like a, the majority of the at-bats at third base, I believe, or something like that. And it's just, you can't have that when you're the angels and you're trying to compete and, and you're going for this one last kind of hurrah, you know, <clears throat> before you get the new ownership. And if you're going to sign Otani or not, which is going to be an interesting story the entire year, but uh, let's go ahead and, and we're going to stay in the division, but we'll go over to the team that has spent the most money the past couple years. And that's with the uh, Texas Rangers. They ended up signing Nathan Eovaldi to a two-year, $34 million deal. Uh, this deal is really interesting. There's a vesting third-year option. Um, he has bonuses in there for if he hits $160 million. Uh, has an extra player option if he can reach 300 innings pitched between this season and next season. Uh, that could take the full-on total max of the deal um, to a three-year, $63 million deal overall. Yeah, I, I like the signing a lot for the uh, Rangers. Ivaldi uh, in 2022, it dealt with some injury issues, only pitched 109 innings, but he was still pretty good. 387 ERA. His FIP was inflated, but he actually ran a 17% home run per fly ball rate, which is astronomically high and pretty unsustainable but in 2021 he was one of the best pitchers in the american league uh with a with putting up almost six wins above replacement 182 innings so I, I think this is a guy who um you know adds more depth to that rotation as we've talked about a lot you know they needed help in that rotation and they added more um you know evaldi two years 34 million dollars is not too bad uh if he stays healthy obviously that that becomes a third year which since health has been a little bit of an issue for him, you've got, uh, you know, you can, that, that, you know, that's kind of what they would like him three years if he can stay healthy. So it, it makes sense on both ends there. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I think when you look at the market, you know, Charlie Morton's getting $20 million with an option. Um, and you've got some other guys that are in that kind of, I feel like Nate, Nate of all kind of in that range of pitcher. So two years, 34 million is not too bad for him. And I think it's a pretty good signing there. And it, I mean, they're got a pretty. They're starting to get a pretty solid rotation in in in, in Texas. It, it's interesting. So, you, you comped him to Charlie Morton. Um, I see. I was unaware of this, and I know you were unaware of this because you just mentioned him in the same sense as Charlie Morton, who's thirty eight years old. Evaldi's thirty three. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a two year deal was kind of surprising, especially because he's coming attached with a qualifying offer. I would not have been surprised to see him beat Jamison Talon's deal with the Cubs. Like I, I was thinking four years, 70 something, you know, I, I really thought this deal would be a lot bigger because it's a lot more uh, cost to sign, to give up that draft pick to sign Nathan Evaldi here. 
and ultimately I figured he would just go back to the Red Sox on another, you know, one year deal or something. But um yeah, this is kind yeah. of weird for me because Eovaldi's a lot yeah. better than this contract, I think. So it, it's interesting you say that because I just went for, for shits and giggles looking. Uh, in our free agency predictor, you had him for three years, 45. I had him for three years, 45. Matt had him at four for 65. Oh, well, yeah. mind. Pretty interesting right there. Yeah, good job, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like I really like Eovaldi as a pitcher. I think that probably the injury – issue is probably what limited his deal i think that i mean he's only made like his he's made one season since 2014 where he put up over 30 starts i mean he put up you know other than that his his highest total is 24 start or 20 yeah, sorry 27 starts to 2015 since then 21 21 12 9 9 beat in the short season and then 20 in 2022 so he's really only had one season where he was fully healthy all year and put up over 30 starts since he was with the Marlins. And uh, I think that that's something to kind of think about just probably what limited him. And that's why I kind of comp him to Charlie Morton, because I, while Evaldi's a lot lower, uh, a lot younger, I think that the production is similar. And I think that the, like the, the age of Charlie Morton kind of goes kind of, you know, coincides with the injury risk of Evaldi. Like I think it kind of lines up together, so I think I had to kind of put him in that same category. But I know about what I had said a while back about his contract being higher, and he got a lot more. I think he got pretty good bit more money and just average annual value from this than four years sixty five. So I guess it makes a little bit of sense that way. But um, but yeah, I think uh, I, I like the deal. I mean, I, I think we I guess we all kind of do, right? Yeah, I think it's a really solid deal, and, and you mentioned it. I just want to hit on this one little nugget before we move on. You mentioned the Rangers rotation now. Um, now looking at what this rotation can look like, it's going to be Jacob deGrom, Martin Perez, John Gray, Eovaldi, and then some version of Andrew Heaney, uh, Jake Odorizzi, Dane Dunning, um, and Spencer Howard, I guess, is the other guy they will use. I mean, they have Cole... They have Cole Wynn as well. I'm just I'm talking about options there. Um, it, you know, it's they have a lot of depth now there, which is something the Rangers haven't had when they were starting Mike Fultonevich, you know, a couple years ago for a majority of the season. So, yeah, um, yeah. And, and you know, they've done they there's still work to be done in this division, but they've made it a lot interesting now. You know, a lot more interesting. Um, that fight for that third place in this division is going to be really, really interesting between the angels and the Rangers at the moment. Um, Cause I think the other two have really separated themselves, but uh, let's go ahead and move over to the national league. Now uh, we'll start in the national league East with the, uh, the uh, Washington nationals signing Dominic Smith to a one year, $2 million deal with the uh, 2 million more in potential bonuses. That's a deal that happened. Um, it happened. Yep. Dom Smith is an extreme reclamation project, and the Nats are going to try to flip him at the deadline. Uh, he's been really bad the last couple of years, but he was really good in the 2020 season, and I'm so glad the Cubs did not sign him. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, signed it for nothing, so you know, might as right. well. But yeah, they signed a different guy for nothing. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and we'll jump to the New York Mets, which they're uh, they made their big signing, uh, the big finally. Win. Uh, they signed Danny Mendick to a one-year, $1 million deal, uh, and they end up getting four years of club control with that. Yeah, Danny Mendick was not 
too bad in 2022 and 106 plate appearances. He actually put up a 125 WRC plus uh, with a 343 on base, 443 slugging. Uh, pretty interesting. He did he did run a really high batting average on balls in play. Uh, pretty you know not awful defender. Uh, played pretty good at a shortstop. Uh, play middle infield. So we add some middle infield depth. It's not a bad option. So. Yeah, uh, and the the deal we were kind of hinting on a little bit earlier is we we mentioned the Correa had a deal with Giants that fell through with the physical. Uh, the next night or that night, whatever, he agreed to a deal with the Mets, and that was before Christmas, and it's still not official because they also have concerns about his. Um, I guess it's this right ankle slash slash fibula area. Um, anyway, he agreed to some twelve year deal. We'll see. We're not going to report anything on until it actually is official because who the hell knows. Um, but it is pretty funny at this moment. Uh, so we'll stay there and we'll jump over to the Atlanta Braves. And they're, uh, they ended up extending Sean Murphy to a six-year, $73 million option or $73 million deal with an option that could take it up to seven for 88. And Matt, you called it. Yeah. Matt, don't, wait, wait, don't, I, don't, Matt, hold on one sec. Before oh no. you go. <laughs> I hate the Oakland Athletics. Okay, go ahead. Um, so I was scrolling through Twitter last week and I saw a press release and <laughs> I knew what it was because every time the Braves do something, it starts with no, no nobody reports it unless it's a deal that's like a trade where it, something leaks from the other team's side or something. Nobody reports it. Nobody says anything. And it just says press release. The Braves have the, and every time it's the same format and it's the same thing. It's a Braves signing a young position player to a very good deal, team friendly typically, and uh, they always donate one percent to the Atlanta Braves Foundation. That's always in the press release as well. Um, and but anyways, uh, Sean Murphy, uh, we talked about him a lot with, with with the trade. So talking about his what he mean, you know what he is as a player is probably uh you know uh, probably a little overkill since we've already talked about it a lot but six years 73 million dollars is an absolute steal um you're signing him out of i believe four years of his free agency which probably would have ended up being like a much actually five years because you've got a team option with no buyout so you really signed him to five years of a of his free agency by buying out a couple years of arbitration and i mean he uh, like i mean this deal is just unbelievably cheap i mean the most money he's going to make in one year is is 15 million dollars and this is a guy who put up five war this year and he's one of the best catchers in baseball so i think that i mean i don't think there's any other way you can put it than i can't believe they did this again so First of all, can we talk about how impressive it is that the Braves continually nothing leaks and it's all just the press releases? <laughs> it's amazing. Like it, it's hilarious at this point that everything they do is literally just press released by their own social media pages, which is very, very, very impressive. Um, but now looking at the Sean Murphy deal overall, the main thing that the Atlanta Braves have always done with, you know, locking up the young players and it makes it look a lot more, um, you know, impressive of a deal is that they always say, Hey, you're going to get this arbitration money anyways, but instead of us fighting through it every single year, 
why don't we either just work out a deal where some years you save yourself a little bit of money and some years we save ourselves a little bit of money, like instead of just bouncing back and forth, like I think through arbitration, he was projected to get about $3 million this year or three and a half. And he signed for 4 million now. Yeah. And then next year he'd probably be projected for right around 8 million or so. Cause I mean, that's a 50% jump and he got 9 million. And then it jumps into the where he was supposed to be starting to get the twelve ish million. He's get fifteen, like, but it makes the AAV of the deal and on the luxury tax purposes, it looks like a twelve point one million dollar deal, which looks very very impressive. When he's pretty much getting the money he's going to get anyways, but you just add on the arbitration years overall, so it lowers the AAV down, which is big brain. It's phenomenal that they find a way to do this every single year. And I don't hate the overall contract like the I mean, obviously don't hate it, but I don't think it's that much less. I mean, he took a discount. Don't get me wrong. He took a discount to 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 sign the long term deal at this moment. But I mean, what he signed technically would be what five at what would it be if you count uh, just the, the two years after that? He's getting 15 a year. So five at sixty. Is that right? Yeah, I mean that's way less than than Wilson Contreras got. I mean, right? Like it's, he, it's he got, that yeah. is a super team friendly free agent. He got five no, at ninety seven. Yeah. He he could have no, broken I mean, hundred million. Oh yeah, I don't know maybe. how the Braves do it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it's you know especially what a contract's going to look like in two years. I mean, yeah, when he would or the, three years whenever he would have been a free yeah, agent. The, the one thing, the one thing I'll add is that when the Braves are doing this, especially with a lot of these guys, there's been a couple of them. Like, like Austin Riley's deal is that's not super team friendly. I mean, that's two hundred twelve million dollar <laughs> deal. Like, watch what watch what Devers gets. It'll be team friendly. Right, watch right, what Devers but gets. I mean, right, but it might it might end up being team friendly. But I'm just saying, like, the Braves aren't. If he was on the free agent market. He would make Riley would probably make more than that, but you know it's not it, the, the, the what the Braves do is they're signing these guys to a you know to, to locking them up and, and making them generationally wealthy. You know when there's a lot of risk involved in their careers because you know like with with Austin Riley he was making like league minimum he wasn't even into ARB yet. I mean he could get hurt tomorrow and never play again and make nothing now he's guaranteed 212 million dollars even though he might be taking a discount at some point and sean murphy is to a less level than that but he's guaranteed all this money he could get hurt tomorrow he's a catcher i mean anything can happen with a catcher so he's guaranteeing himself the ability to instead of making you know four million dollars in his career to make 73 million dollars whereas he could probably get more later on you know it's it's one of those things where he's he's going to be and and I mean I'm not saying that it's not team friendly and it's a good decision or whatever I'm just saying like it t- it takes a lot of risk out for the player and some players like to take that risk out so uh you know it's hard to turn down that much money even if you do think you can make double that at some point it's hard to turn down 75 million dollars so or 88 million dollars or whatever like I just it, I just want to know how the I just want to know how the Braves keep getting him to sign him like, what do they lock yeah. them in a room and say we're not letting <laughs> you out till you, till you sign this yeah. ultra team friendly contract? Yeah. Man, I don't. It, it's been so many of them yeah. at this point. Like, yeah, it's crazy. And and also the Braves farm system is now the worst farm system in baseball. Yeah. But they, they keep, don't need they any don't. farm players. They don't, they don't they need trade huh. and sign good players, it, folks. It, trade and it, sign it, for good players. And honestly, what the Braves should do is anytime they get a a high minors position player. 
that is close to looking like major league ready. They need to trade them for multiple low minors, high upside guys, because when these contracts are, these contracts are all going to be in, in, you know, quick succession, they come up like 2028, 2029. And if you get a bunch of, you know, 17, 18 year olds now at, you know, and the low minors, they'll be ready about then. So that's, if I were the Braves, I would start to kind of make some of those moves. And that's kind of what they did with the Drew Waters thing. Like, this summer mm-hmm. where they got the draft pick, you know, that's kind of the type of things I think they're going to start doing more of, but uh, definitely an interesting extension. And I'm, I'm as a Braves fan, I'm excited that Sean Murphy's going to be around for a while. Cause I think he's really, really good. And uh, yeah. this is uh this is a great, great move for them. So. I am shocked that Matt is excited that the Braves got a good player. I don't know about <laughs> well, when, you, David. when you're just raining good players around you, you know, <laughs> at least Matt's not like jaded by it yet. Yep. At least they didn't sign Tucker Barnhart. Yeah, you, go. I, you said good players. Good I, players. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, um, hey, come on, don't be hard on Tucker Barnhart. I'm about to we'll be get hard to on that. Tucker Barnhart. We'll, anyway. we'll get to that one <laughs> we'll in a minute. We got it. We start flying through. We're already like yeah. 52 minutes in. Um, they acquired Lucas Lutge as well from the Yankees, a left-handed reliever. Uh, it's been pretty solid the last couple of years. I believe he's like 35. Yeah. It's just another depth option for that bullpen yeah, he, that they're just going to be nasty. Yeah, I think I think he's uh, going to be kind of the guy that replaces the Tyler Matzik role since from this past year, not year before last, but this past year, Tyler Maxick was kind of like the third lefty in the bullpen. That's what Luke will be. And yeah. I will say that Indigo Diaz, one of the guys they gave up has at times been dominant oh, no, in the minors. So no, it's possible that it's possible that he ends up having a really good, uh, really good career at some point with the Yankees. But I think that this made mo- this made sense on both ends. It did. Um, Cause he got DFA'd, I believe it. Yeah, he did. So, yeah. So somebody was going to have to pick yeah. him up. Cause he, he was been, Pretty effective the last couple of years, but uh, we'll go over to the next team in the. I think, is this the the only division that every team made a move? Yep, I guess so. Pretty impressive. Uh, the Miami Marlins signed Gene Segura to a two-year, seventeen million dollar deal. Um, there is a third-year club option for ten million dollars on that. Yeah, Gene Segura is pretty good. I mean, he's a going to play probably second or, th- or third. Third, yeah, yeah third, third base for the the Marlins, which is I think that doesn't really fit the offensive profile, but the Marlins have been, they're, they're a very difficult free agent destination right now. They don't really have a direction. They've got a lot of young power hitting guys that don't hit for average. And they really needed some batting average in that offense to counter it out. Um, they're like, I got like JJ Blade and Peyton Burdick and some of those guys. It's a lineup with a lot of upside, but a lot of strike, a strikeout swing and miss problems. You know, they're not going to win anything this year, but they do need to, you know, hope to move forward. And I think Gene Segura can kind of point them in the right direction a little bit. Yeah, Gene Segura is like the perfect, like, good player. Like, he's not going to be a lead or anything, but, I mean, he put up 3.4 war in 2021. And, and this year, in only 98 games because of injury, he put up 1.7. So he's going to mm-hmm. put up 2 to 3 war. He's a perfectly good everyday regular who hits for, has pretty good contact rates and, and, plays good defense so good for he, them he, he might even steal more bases this year he too, will he changes. will yep. yeah yeah uh, and it's not you know it's good clubhouse presence uh, yep. to put there with those younger guys as well but uh the jumping over to the philadelphia phillies the last team in this division they signed closer craig kimbrell to a one-year 10 million dollar deal yeah yeah i was gonna say uh, this was a really like this is way more money than Kimbrel should be getting, but that's been happening with relievers all off season. So if Kim Kimbrel has good skill, but his fastball velocity is declining and they're going to need to figure something out to change uh, what Kimbrel's doing. I think they can 
Kimbrell's got a lot of talent. That curveball still has a super high spin rate, but he's going to have to set it up better off of a fastball that is no longer blow it by hitters fast. So we'll see what they do. The Phillies are not known for being good about their like, you know, tweaking of players in the, especially when it comes to pitching. Uh, They mostly, you know, we see guys fall off with the Phillies and go somewhere else and rebound. So um, in theory, this is a scary move, but it's still Craig Kimbrell. He could come out and be dominant again. You never know. Yeah. And he showed flashes of that last year. Um, June, he had a 270 ERA, August, a 372. And then September and October, he had a 251, um, was left off the postseason roster. But uh, one, one interesting thing is at later in the season, I don't know if he's actually going to bring it in or he's going to keep developing it. He was tweaking with a third, like, like a slider ish pitch. Um, that could be the type of thing that he needs to, to unlock yeah, he, there. he was, he was tweaking with the third, like that sliders pitch to kind of break off the fastball curveball Cause it can be kind of predictable. Um, I don't know how much he ever brought it into the game scenario, but if he keeps developing, that could help him. Yeah. He's yeah. One other thing, Kimbrell, he needs to throw strikes too. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's the thing. Like he's got such a violent delivery. It gets wild and yeah. when you're not throwing, when you're not throwing super hard, it, it can be, that can be rough. I've watched yeah. Kimbrell throw strikes though. And, and he throws them right down the middle. Oh, and, uh, and if like, it's and if it's not the ninety-seven and ninety-nine, it was a couple years ago. Then it's a home run. So exactly, yeah. Yep. I mean, I should have saw the flashes of that this year too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just finding that one thing that locks him back in. I think he's been on all three of our teams now. That's pretty fun. Yep. yep. Yes. Um, let's go over to the NL Central, and I think we can start throwing a party, everybody, because the Cincinnati Reds signed somebody. Yay! Yay! It was Will Myers, so it's not that big of a yay. But they signed Will Myers to a one-year, $7.5 million deal. Uh, one interesting clause, I had not actually seen much of this in the deals this way. Like if We've seen little, like, oh, if he gets a $1 million trade assignment, he has a $2 million trade assignment if he's traded at all in 2023 um, and also has a 2024 uh, mutual option on that deal as well. And to make this move official, they also DFA'd Mike Moustakis. Yeah, uh, Will Myers, I mean, he's kind of in that everyday player mold that is he's a okay first baseman, DH type guy. Uh, maybe can play a little bit of outfield still, but I mean, I know he played 36 games in the outfield this past year, but he's he's not great out there. He probably should play first base. Um, you know, Votto maybe DH a little bit more this year and put Will Myers at first, but I mean, he's still a above average hitter. You know, he he's all right. He for seven million dollars, it's it works. He might be able to get a good year out of him and, and put him, send him away at the deadline and, and get something interesting back for him. So, good veteran presence. He's been around a long time. It's totally fine for the Reds. Here's the here's the thing about Will Myers is that I always wondered if there was a little bit more if maybe somebody could convince him to wear batting gloves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always thought Will Myers was going to be way better than he actually ended up being. But mm-hmm. I mean, he, he showed flashes. I mean, he's not been, he's been an above average league or Jesus. Can I spoke? He's been a above average hitter by WRC plus every single season of his career outside of 2019. Where he had in, a 97. in 2020, he had a 155 WRC plus, and that was the shortened season, obviously, but he really put it all together. I, I, you know, that's in there. I, I don't know if it's going to be in there for the Reds, but yeah, you never know. 
who knows? You go to Citizens Bank ballpark and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it just it's not Citizens Bank. What am I talking about? Great, Great American, American Great American ballpark. There you same go. Same difference. Same difference. Whatever. It didn't used to be a C. Didn't used to have a C name. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, but I, I want to mention just real quick, Mike Mustakas. He that was a terrible contract. Four years, sixty-four million dollars, and he's put up negative point five WAR over that time. Uh, it's been rough. He's been injured a lot. I bet somebody puts a minor league deal on him, but that's been a rough deal. He also can't moonlight at second base anymore with the lack of the shift. Yep. Yep. It's absolutely going to be the Dodgers. <laughs> I can already see it. Um, all right. So let's jump to the Chicago Cubs. Uh, David, you you signed Tucker Barnhart. We did, yeah. I didn't do that. I, I well, would not have done that. Yeah, I mean, eh, well, kind of get associated with it. But Tucker Barnhart signed a two-year, $6.5 million deal. Uh, can reach up to 9.5. Uh, does have a second-year player option, and then I'll get it out of the way so you can just go ahead and talk about it as well. Uh, Drew Smiley uh, signed a two-year, $19 million deal. Has a $10 million option for 2025. That comes along with a $2.5 million buyout. Now, Damien's trying to get at me because I do not like the Tucker Barnhart deal, but let me just remind you, Damien, I would Cody never. Bellinger is a cub. I would never get at you <laughs> for Cody that. Bellinger. And anyway, uh, Drew Smiley's a really good deal here. He was good for the Cubs Jason last Hayward. year. And you have Jason Hayward now. I don't have him anymore. <laughs> I know that's, that was the point. <laughs> I traded uh, it for Dan okay, Swanson. So, so Drew Smiley. Drew <laughs> You did. Drew Smiley <laughs> is, is, was really good Shelby last Miller. year. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. The 2015 offseason for the Dodgers. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, so Drew Smiley was good last year. I did not like that signing because I've really <laughs> been frustrated with Drew Smiley before. Um, I remember that. And and he, he came out and he wasn't very good. And then he went on the IL, came back, and was really good. Um, and down the stretch, the Cubs were, I think, above 500 after in the second half of last year. So the big reason that was Drew Smiley's pitching. He'll be in the rotation. He's a four or five. Um, and for less than 10 million, I mean, again, I would rather have this than a Matt Boyd at 10 or a Mike Clevenger at 12. We kind of keep going to those contracts, but it's because the value is coming out of these other contracts. And this one is a, a two-year deal as well. It's a clearly the Cubs have a really good relationship with Drew Smiley. They wanted him back from the very start of the offseason. The the rumor was they were going to try to re-sign him. Uh, and he fits into this uh, this need for pitching depth for the Cubs. He'll bridge the gap to Hayden Wisniewski and Jordan Wicks and some of those other top prospects that are coming up for the Cubs that can uh, slot into the rotation and, and take over for him if he gets injured. Um, the, the risk is super low, and you know, you, you're bringing back a guy who was really good for the team last year. So no issues with that one. Tucker Barnhart, the Cubs are looking for a backup catcher or a, a defense-first backup catcher, that is. My my biggest issue with this is that Tucker Barnett hasn't been a good defensive catcher in a couple of years, and, and that's that's where I'm like I don't see the I don't see the upside here I don't see the logic he's re, he's got a reputation as a good defensive catcher because he won the Gold Glove in like 2017, but he hasn't been good in a while and I just don't see it panning out coming back now everybody was bad in Detroit last year. Maybe he rebounds. He seems to really be excited about being a cub. He's got like three. He's got you know like the the player option to you know I I can see it working out and making me wrong. I can, but I really don't think I am. I think he'll be gone by June. 
I, I don't think he'll be able to do anything and he'll be kind of bad metrically. And hopefully Miguel Amaya is just ready and they can just get rid of him. Yeah. I, I want to mention on Drew Smiley because he was a brave in 2021. I watched him a lot. The guy in 2021 was a home run launching pad. Yeah. Uh, and last year it wasn't last year. Like, oh, I was going to say last year, his home run per fly ball rate went down a lot. And I think it was just really high with Atlanta compared to his career averages. In, in Atlanta, he had an 18% home run per fly ball rate, which is just really, really high. And back in Chicago, it was kind of a normal-ish, like 12% home run per fly ball rate. I think that had a lot to do with it. Uh, he's not going to put up a 347 ERA again, though. He he was more of like a low fours ERA type pitcher. And I think that's what they signed him to be. I mean, a number four, number five started, like David mm-hmm. said, for, you know, he'll have a little above four ERA, below four and a half, probably. Solid veteran piece. I, I think it's fine. I probably would have preferred Kluber, uh, who, who signed a really similar contract. But Drew Smiley is totally fine, especially with the fact that he was already in in house there and, and yeah. has had success there. And then, um, you know, you also talk about, uh, you know, Tucker Barnhart. I mean, I, you know, he it's it's a three it's three million dollars, and it's not going to hurt you if he's bad. And he's got defensive upside, I guess. Twenty twenty one, he was not bad defensively. Uh, he wasn't like elite, but he was good. Um, you know, put up over a one war in twenty twenty one as well as a catcher. He's not in twenty twenty two Detroit. I mean, it was just bad. Yeah. Like it's Detroit. They were that team was just bad. Tucker Barnhart's not going to hit a lick, but you know, he's a veteran catcher who you can throw out there behind Jan Gomes and just you know. Yeah, here's uh, here's wait, my problem. Stopgap for your prospect. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. Like, here, here's my problem, and you, you brought it. He's up. not it's, Sean Murphy. Well, well, I mean, that's a that's else. a different issue. That's a completely different issue. The the, here, the problem with with Tucker and Barnhart is that Jan Gomes didn't hit last year either, and was hoping to get at least a little bit of offense out of one of the catchers this year. And if you're not going to hit, you have to be a really good defensive catcher. Well, Jan Gomes is, by all accounts, a really good defensive catcher. The pitchers rave about him. I have never heard that about Tucker Barnhart in terms of the reputation. Um, other than the gold glove, right? That's what everybody cites. And he hasn't been good at framing. He hasn't been really good defensively. I just, if you're not going to be elite on one side of the ball, whether that be offense or defense, I, I struggle to see the, the, the path here to success. And I guess that at the end of the day, you know, it seems to me like the Cubs haven't done enough to, to really have a path to success. Anyway, they're going to you know hover around 500. We'll see what they do after that. Uh, so a couple of things, the smiley deal, Matt, you said you'd rather have Kluber. Smiley makes the most sense because it allows them to push him to be a swing man in the bullpen, which Kluber yeah, hasn't done true. yet. Um, yes. When when the other guys, like if Keegan Thompson, Hayden Wesneski, yeah. um, when, they're, when they're ready to start, you can throw them in the bullpen as a long reliever, spot starter guy. It's not too much of an overpay. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, and and uh, I just want to throw this one little thing. It's funny, David. Uh, Tucker Barnhart played one inning at third base this year. So, oh, know. there it is. That's what it is. There that's it is. The chain. Yep. yep, there it is. Third that's, baseman. That's Acquired. what it is. Got it. Patrick Wisdom. Who? Um, <sighs> Chris Morrell is going to get all the innings at third base to start the year. By the way, uh, little nugget. Well, it's going to happen until Rafael Devers takes over in July. What? I didn't say that. Anyway, why would a team that's not in contention trade for Rafael Devers? Man, Matt, it's almost like acquiring good players is the Braves thing, and you know, doing it, it at all times is a good is idea. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, you can't sign anybody to an extension. <laughs> Guess what? 
Guess what? <laughs> Raphael Raphael Devers is going to get traded to the Braves for can't wait some to play shortstop double A pitcher. And he's go- Braves yeah. Braves become the Phillies two point defense. Gonna, be damned. He's going uh, to he's going to DH. Uh, and he's going to yeah. hit fifty five home runs, and he's going to sign There's, a ten year ten year gonna, twelve million dollar deal. They're going to have to leave DH open. Who are they going to trade for him? Didn't we just say they years. have the, the lowest traded farm system? Set a double okay. A pitcher. Of some kind, I don't know. They they always get Charlie it. Morton. They it. Yeah, they're gonna trade Charlie Morton. <laughs> All right, now that we've had enough enough fun at that expense, uh, let's go to the Pittsburgh Pirates signing Rich Hill to a one year, eight million dollar deal. David, I didn't say it, but if you wanted to, go ahead. I love Rich Hill, otherwise known as Dick Mountain. Uh, there it is, and he's been around forever, and I hope he never stops pitching. Yes, that's it. That's all I have. I, there's no analysis here. Rich Hill. Still pitching. That's a good thing. Hope he hope he does well. He's going to get traded at the deadline. Yep. He hasn't actually ever been like terrible either. Like nope. Even this year, a four twenty seven ERA, but a three ninety two FIP. He's, like he's just still so good. He throws like eighty percent curveballs from like seventeen different arm angles. I'm also convinced that he could just turn around and pitch from the right side for some reason. Probably, too. probably could. Yeah. But, um. Yep. Uh, I do wish just for Rich Hill that we had uh, pitchers batting again, though, because that was an experience. (laughs) Um, Let's go ahead and move over to the National League West, and we'll go ahead and start with the Colorado Rockies. They signed Pierce Johnson to a one-year, $5 million deal. It's a good opportunity for former Cub Pierce Johnson. I don't think it is. He's pitching in Colorado. Yeah, but he'll get to start. His, he'll get to start is the thing, and 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 Pierce Johnson's got we a really saw good how that's slider. Worked out for Herman Marquez. I feel, yeah, my I feel God. really. <laughs> He's going to go really, be an ace somewhere. Herman oh, Marquez. Yeah, is. He, he is. But I feel bad for Pierce Johnson because he's going to get his opportunity to start, which in Colorado only means it's more innings to give up home runs because it's Colorado. So um, we'll, we'll yeah. see. His slider may play a little better in the in the altitude because of the the bite on it, but you well, never know. Maybe. Bite there maybe maybe the colorado needs like a lower spin rate or something and they'll they'll be able to work with them or i I don't know colorado is in such a horrible place because not only is their ownership completely incompetent but also the elevation makes it impossible for the pitchers to have any success so you know it's colorado and then even the pitchers that do want to be there who were part of your franchise you just let walk in free agency and don't trade them before the Mm -hmm. deadline and don't even offer them a deal exactly John and you're Gray. paying your franchise guy to play for another team. What? Someone's gonna. Yeah, that that mm, mm, trade, for, <laughs> trade him. Trade him for Austin Gomber. I I am oh, never right. going to forgive them. Uh, let's go to the Arizona Diamondbacks. We talked about them a little bit earlier with the Dalton Varsho trade. Uh, I guess we probably should just mention this as everything happened there. But they signed Evan Longoria to a one-year, four million dollar deal. Uh, with another million dollar in bonuses. Uh, it's in, extremely interesting. Sorry, Matt, to cut you off there, but. Uh, I thought it was very interesting that he had an interview the day before he signed that said that he wanted to play for a contender, and then the next day signed with the Diamondbacks. I mean, I, I don't understand why he didn't have more interest. I mean, this guy still put up 1.3 WAR last year. He's a good third baseman. He can still play defensively somewhat. I mean, he's not as good as he used to be defensively, but he's like he's adequate, I guess. I know he's dealt with injuries the last couple of years, but I mean, it's a $4 million deal for a guy who put up a 115 WRC plus in, in 2022 and put up 1.3 war in, in, you know, roughly half a season. I mean, it, I, I don't, I feel like I would have, I'm surprised he didn't get a little bit more. Um, and I guess he wanted to play in Arizona. Um, so I don't, I don't know why, but I make sense. Team. Yeah. I mean, very. 
he might. I mean, he's going to help him. So maybe he's, he'll, he'll help him, but he's absolutely going to be flipped too at the deadline probably. to somebody. Um, but it is odd because I'm sure he probably could have went to a contender for even a couple million less potentially. Y'all, y'all got Hall of Famer Evan Longoria as well. All right, look, we're not going to start this I, conversation. Yeah, just yes or no? Just yes, yes or no? Yes, I think yes, but yes. If he maybe hmm. one more, one one or two more good years, yes. He's at fifty. Yeah, four he's, and he's, a half get, right he's now, getting so. close. He's got a. If he gets to like three fifty homers, maybe then I think he'll he'll get there. Yeah. But who knows? Uh, all right, let's jump over to the San Francisco Giants who uh, have responded after their failed uh, Carlos Correa experiments by signing a guy whose medicals are 100% clear in Michael Conforto to a two-year, $36 million deal with an opt-out. Um, sorry, that cracked me up. Uh, and then who also happens to be a Scott Morris client, the same agent. Um, but then they also signed reliever Taylor Rogers to a three-year, $33 million deal, reuniting him with his twin brother, Tyler? Tyler. Tyler. I get submarine. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, Tyler Rogers ahead. is awesome to watch. Um, but Taylor Rogers, Tyler Rogers, that may, they may like, they both, both may have their best year ever. If they're, now that they're on the same team, I think that's kind of a cool little thing. Um, we'll see how that works. Uh, Conforto is the big one here. And I think he's the the biggest question mark in the entirety of free agency because he didn't play last year, but he has a history of being a really good baseball player. Um, not as good as Carlos Correa, obviously, but that also hasn't you know con- been confirmed yet. So who knows what that's going to, going to do Conforto for two for 36 is a bit of more than I was expecting because the Cubs were in on him. I was following this one pretty closely. Um, that was a, a lot more than I think anybody was kind of expecting him to get, but you know, coming off a completely missed season to get 18 million. That just kind of shows you the upside that Conforto does have. Um, and I think he'll hit some balls into the Bay. Yeah. I think Conforto is a little bit of a panic move by the giants to sign him to that contract, because this is a guy who, yes, he has had a, he's had good years in his career. Uh, 2019 was very good. 2017 was very good. 2018 was pretty good, but 2020 and 2020 was good as in the shortened season too, but 2021 was not great. Uh, he played 125 games had a 106 WRC plus, which for a corner outfielder, who's just a average defender, you know, you'd like to see more at the plate than that. And, um, you know, he also, and then he missed a year. So uh, coming off of a pretty major injury. So that's a pretty big amount of money to spend. And I think the, you know, the giants had been in on all these free agents and are just, I think they kind of panicked and said, we've got to do it. we got to do something. we got to do something. And this signing doesn't really make that much sense anyways, because they signed Mitch Hanniger. They have Jock Peterson. Like how many left field DH guys do you need? I mean, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I guess he'll play right field, but defensively that outfield's going to be a mess. I mean, I, I don't love this for them. I think that he's, there's a chance it works out really well if he can, you know, rebound to his, you know, previous form from 2018 through 2020. But I mean, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I like this at all for them. I mean, I feel like it, there's a good chance this doesn't work out. And then on the Rogers thing, I mean, I think that's a fine deal for him. He had a weird 2022 where he was like really, really dominant for a little while. Then he was bad for a while. Then he was dominant again for a while. And then he was bad for a while. So, but his peripherals were good. He had a 476 ERA with a 331 FIP, 326 XFIP, 
I mean, relievers are getting paid a lot of money this year. And I mean, 11 million a year for a guy who's got a lot of experience in the back end of a bullpen and has put up good peripherals four years in a row, five years in a row. I mean, it's not bad. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. The giants are very good with pitchers and, uh, you know, it's cool that he's going to be able to play with his brother. I think that's pretty neat. So, yeah, and it gives them a really good back into the bullpen with Camilo Duvall and then Taylor Rogers yep. there. And Tyler. Um, Tyler's a good pitcher when, you know, most of the time. Yeah, I mean, most I, of the time. I love watching him pitch. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, he also, also, the big news there, Tommy LaStella got DFA'd, yep. free agent now. Some team will be very happy. Yeah, he'll be Maybe. a good bench, bench bat for somebody. Dodgers, what? Sorry. I mean, all the second, I mean, all the second, all the second him? baseman player. Yeah, yeah. We have Michael Bush, so why? Um, I called him. You know, good by the way. Well, we have to see. Um, I don't. I like Conforto. I think he's he's one of my favorite players in the league to watch. Um, I've been a lot higher on him. I know I've had the argument with David multiple times about Conforto over the years, mm-hmm. but um, I hate him going to San Francisco to try and rebound his value. Um, coming off shoulder surgery, going to on a you know getting the deal that has the opt out on the one year deal, which he's most likely going to take, because um, you know any film is probably better than no film of you playing at all coming off shoulder injury. But I just don't think that San Francisco fits his skill set, like with the bay, with the high wall there, with the way the wind swirls, like to be that lefty power hitter. I don't think it really fits. To, what he need, what he should be doing there. And then it actually is, I think they've said they're going to play him in left field. So he's going to be switching positions even. Um, and that's even a harder outfield to play there because the wind comes off the bay and pushes the ball all over the place through left field. I just don't love it to the giants. I think if the Cubs would have made this deal, it would have been fine. Cause I think Wrigley's a much more hitter friendly ballpark than San Francisco. Um, I think a much better places that he could have went to in general. Um, but I hope that he comes back and proves me wrong um, because I like the player. I just hate that he went to San Francisco, not because they're the Giants, but also because they're the Giants. <laughs> but anyways, um, already anything else you guys want to wrap up on or look forward to? Well, um, I think that pretty soon we're going to be out of free agents to talk about. I mean, when the Korea things gets handled, I mean, yeah. I don't there's really not many guys left. There's like that second tier free agents of like, yeah. you know, guys who, you know, teams that missed on, on guys like, like, you know, maybe a be on the third tier. Well, that's what I mean. Like that second tier, meaning guys who are kind of like more of role play, like bench bat type guys who, yeah. you know, maybe low end regulars, like maybe if you missed on shortstop, you know, you might go like, like the giants and Braves haven't gotten shortstops yet. Or the or the uh, I guess the Red Sox do with the story, but they they were trying. You grab a like an Elvis Andrews, Jose Iglesias type guy. Like that's mm-hmm. the t- tier of free agents we're getting down to. I do think there's a chance we see a couple more big trades, um, yeah. and then. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess pretty soon, you know, we'll have to pivot gears on the show and kind of start previewing a little bit of what's coming what's coming up soon with the you know about two less than two months we'll be reporting for spring training so yeah we'll have hall of fame ballots in there yep we'll have whatever moves we need to talk about throughout that time and then we can start jumping into some of the looking forward at things or 
um, maybe some fun stuff that we haven't got to yet. We can, uh, we can make some fun episodes up on that, but David, you got anything you're, you're looking forward to outside of the hall of fame? Yeah. As I say, the hall of fame discourse is going to be immaculate. Um, also Elvis Andrews had 3.5 wins above replacement. Yeah. He was good last year. He, He was actually pretty decent. Found his power stroke with the white Sox. Jerks and Profar still out there. Um, and then, you know, a couple other guys, but really it is just, the, it'll be a bullpen guys. Those will be the guys to watch. I think you'll see some impact, uh, 2023 bullpen arms get signed here in the last couple of weeks of free agency beyond that. Um, yeah, we're, we're getting, we're getting ready to start the season. It's going to be, it's going to be a good time. Yep. Uh, um, like Matt said, I think the trade market will start to open up just a little bit more. Um, and we'll see some. Maybe not some blockbuster moves, but we'll see, I think, a little bit more activity around the uh, the fringe parts for sure. Uh, oh, and one thing we didn't even talk about, which we'll have to hit on the next episode um, more in depth. Uh, we'll have a decision on Trevor Bauer's status this week. He did get his suspension reduced to 194 games. The Dodgers have until Friday to decide if he's on their roster or they're going to release him or trade him or whatever that is. Um so that will be something we talk about there. Just totally even missed it in the thread of everything that happened this week, last week. So um, that will do it for this episode of the Batflip podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you guys in a couple weeks. 